Okay, good evening. Thanks for coming. Um, tonight's class, I want to dedicate in order of my new baby grandson. Just got a name yesterday, so we want to wish my new grandson, Yitzchak Zirkind. Hashem should bless him to grow up and that his parents and new Bubby and Zaidi should have a lot of nachas from him. Yiddish chasidish alichtig, a beautiful nachas. And his mother and father should merit to raise him in good health. And only see lots and lots of happiness from him. And hopefully in the future from all the future grandchildren. Be'ezer Sashem. Um, it's the first class, a Monday class in the new year, 5778. So let's see what, that's exciting. Let's see what the new year, 5778, brings us. Um, this Shabbos is going to be Yom Kippur, and uh, so we'll focus the class on Yom Kippur. We know Yom Kippur is a very, very powerful day, uh, the holiest day in our calendar. And for us, it's, in a sense, the most joyous day, even though it's, uh, you know, we have a, this solemn approach to Yom Kippur and the day itself, there is a certain tension in the day. But it's really the happiest day. It's the day that God loves us with his boundless and infinite love. And he forgives us for all of our sins. He purifies us. We come out all purified, all refreshed, like absolutely like new beings, like brand new little, with the innocence of a little baby. Baruch Hashem have a new baby in the house, so I'm under the influence of the innocence of a brand new child, the beauty, the, 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 the sweetness, the, the, just the attraction to something that is, isn't tarnished, someone that isn't, doesn't have any blemishes, just pure, pure, pure. And that's what we all go through in Yom Kippur. We come out like this innocent little new baby. So um, this renewal on Yom Kippur, or this atonement, or this rebirth on Yom Kippur is best described in the last passage of a Mishnah in the tractate Yuma, which is the tractate that deals with um, with Yom Kippur. Yuma is a track. Yuma means Masechtas Yuma. Yuma means the day, so it's referring to the holiest day of the year, the most important day of the year, Yom Kippur, and uh, that's why the day of Yom Kippur is. That's why the Masechtas is called Yuma. In the last chapter on the last Mishnah, so the sages tell us like this. There's a famous passage from Rabbi Akiva. 
Amar Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael, how fortunate are you, Israel? How fortunate are you, the Jewish people? Lifnei mi atem metaharin. Before whom are you becoming purified? In front of who are you becoming purified? And also, mi metahar heschem, who is the one who is purifying you? So before whom are you becoming pure? On Yom Kippur, we, we become pure, but in front of who is it? We're being purified in front of Hashem. And who is the one who is doing the purification? These are the two questions. Before whom are you being purified? And who is doing the purification? And the answer is, both to both the questions, same answer. Avichem Shabashamayim, your father in heaven. Shenemar, as it says, and he quotes a verse from Yecheskel, Ezekiel, where it says as follows. This is in chapter 36. It says, Hashem says, I will sprinkle upon you, I will throw upon you water. Or, I will throw upon you purifying water, and you will be purified. So you see that God is the one who's doing the purification. Because it says, I will throw upon you water and you will be purified. The Omer, and it says another Pasuk, Mikveh Yisrael, that God is the hope of Israel. Mikveh Yisrael, the Pasuk is a Pasuk in, 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 Yer, in Yermio, in Jeremiah, where it says, Mikveh Yisrael, Moshiach Be'esara, Moshiach Be'esara, that God is the hope of Israel. And he's Moshiach, he saves them be a Sarah in a time of trouble. But the word mikveh, Rabbi Akiva plays on that word. Mikveh can mean from the word kaveh. Uh, uh, kaveh means to hope. Kaveh el Hashem, hope to God. But mikveh also means a mikveh, which is a ritual bath in which one goes to be purified. So Rabbi Akiva takes the word mikveh, mikveh Yisrael, which means the hope of Israel. And Rabbi Akiva changes the, the meaning of that word, mikveh Yisrael, from the hope of Israel, and he changes it to mean that God is the mikveh of the Jewish people. He's the ritual bath of the Jewish people. In what sense is God, and what, what's the meaning that God is the ritual bath? Well, just like a ritual bath, purifies the one that enters and submerges themselves in the mikveh. Just like a mikveh purifies those that are tamed, those that are ritually impure, also Hashem purifies the Jewish people. So again, in this verse we also see, being that God is the one that's acting as our mikveh, so just like when a person goes into a mikveh and they're contaminated, they are tamay, they are ritually impure, and they go in and, and they go into the mikveh and they dip and they come out purified. Now we're saying that God is our purifier. So this is all proof that in front of who are we becoming purified? In front of God. And who is the one who is the one who is doing the purification? Also Hashem. That is the statement, the famous statement of Rabbi Akiva. And for this Rabbi Akiva says, we should feel so lucky, we should feel so fortunate that we have a purifier 
that is Hashem. And obviously I would think that the emphasis over here is, if God is the one purifying us, we can be assured that when we come out, we are completely clean. Because, you know, if, if the purification would be dependent on us, so we can only purify to a certain degree of how strong we can purify ourselves. But since it's not us that is doing the purification, since it is God who is the one who is purifying, since Hashem is the one who is scrubbing us and cleaning us, and Hashem, when He cleans us, cleans us 100%. And that's why we should be so happy and joyful that God purifies us. Statement of Rabbi Akiva. What we really need to understand, if we analyze this, and we do a little bit more of a deeper uh, analysis on the teaching of Rabbi Akiva, it seems to be a little bit problematic. The question over here is, what really in truth is Rabbi Akiva teaching us that we really did not know until Rabbi Akiva came along? Obviously a sage, if he's teaching something, he's giving you valuable information. And information that you need a sage to give you. Now we have a lot of verses. We have a lot of verses in the Torah. We have a lot of psukim in the Torah. And if the sage is coming, so either he's coming to give commentary, but commentary that's necessary. Commentary that we wouldn't figure out on our own. Now this idea that, that when the Jewish people purify themselves on Yom Kippur, it is in front of God that we're being purified, or that God is the purifier of the Jewish people, doesn't seem something that we needed Rabbi Akiva to teach us. That is something that is stated in many, many verses openly in the Chumash. What more than psukim that are stated directly on Yom Kippur itself, especially the verse that is quoted in this Mishnah right before Rabbi Akiva starts talking, the Mishnah immediately before that quotes a teaching from a different sage. Again, Rabbi Akiva's teaching is the second half of the Mishnah. The first half of the Mishnah is a teaching from the famous Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. And Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah brings a pasuk, a verse, which we keep on repeating Yom Kippur and Shul. We're going to keep on repeating every time we're going to do a confession. We're going to repeat this verse again and again and again. In which the verse says like this, because on this day, He will atone upon you, to purify you, from all your sins. Again, on this day on Yom Kippur, God is saying, why am I telling you to do this entire um, um, uh, service in the Holy Temple in the Beis Amigdash? Hashem tells the Jewish people, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, all the sacrifices and the special ketores that is offered in the Holy of Holies. All this bother, God says. Why, why is this all happening? Because this is a very powerful day. Because on this day, the 10th day of Tishrei, He will atone upon you. To purify you. From all your sins. In front of God, you will be purified. So the... And Rabbi, Right? So Rabbi Lazar ben Nazariah teaches, and he says it makes an interesting idea. He says, if you'll read this verse, you will notice that from the last words that it says, Mikol Sechem, from all your sins, Lifnei Hashem, in front of God, Titara, you will be purified. So this teaches us, on the one hand, how great Yom Kippur is. It erases all of our sins. But it also puts a certain 
a certain alert. It gives us a certain um, uh, exclusion. It gives a certain limitation. What's the limitation? It says, from all your sins in front of God, you will be purified. Which means those sins in which one did not cause <coughs> any hurt to anyone else, but an offense to God. But a sin that was an offense to another human being, from here you see that Yom Kippur cannot atone for that sin by itself, but rather one also has to ask, gain forgiveness from the person, whoever it is that you offended, that a person had offended. If a person offended someone else, hurt someone else, a sin towards another, to a fellow man, a fellow human being, so you have to first gain forgiveness, apologize, ask for forgiveness from that individual, and then Yom Kippur will atone. And where do we learn it out from? The verse says, Mikol from all your sins, lift me Hashem, those sins that are in front of Hashem, Titara, you will be purified. But the sins that are not in front of only God, but they're also to other people as well, uh, then you have to ask atonement from them. That's why we know halachically, it says this week, before Yom Kippur, you don't have to wait for like the last two minutes before Yom Kippur, but this week, before Yom Kippur, it is the right thing to do, to review in our mind, and from the past year, or maybe even earlier, if we never took care of business at an earlier time, that we should reach out to people that we might have wronged and ask for forgiveness. Um, and that's the way we can assure that when Yom Kippur comes, we will all gain complete atonement. So that's the teaching Rebbe Eliezer ben Azariah teaches. In continuation to Rebbe Eliezer ben Azariah's teaching, in which he quotes that verse that I just mentioned, Rebbe Akiva continues, how fortunate are you the Jewish people? In front of who are you purified? Who purifies you? It's all your Father in heaven. And he brings all these verses to prove it. The mikveh and the fact that God says, I will sprinkle upon you water, purifying water. The question over here is, Rebbe Laza ben Azariah in his statement earlier had already brought us a verse which clearly states that our atonement is coming from God and it is in front of God. It says so in the Pasuk. So what is Rabbi Akiva adding on that we would not know from, from that which Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said? Now it's true. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah did not come to emphasize that we should dance on the street and be so happy that God is atoning us. He didn't emphasize that. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was telling you that even though Rabbi Yom Kippur is coming, don't feel, don't be so assured that you'll be forgiven you might have to do some other business along with the atonement of Yom Kippur because there are other people that might have been hurt. You have to go and gain forgiveness from others. That was Rabbi Lazar ben Azari's main emphasis. Rabbi Akiva is the one who's telling you, hey, realize how unbelievable this is. Yom Kippur is coming. God is going to forgive you. Can you imagine who's cleaning you? God is cleaning you. You're, becoming ato- you're, you're being atoned from sin in front of Hashem. That's awesome. So of course, Rabbi Akiva is emphasizing something that has not been emphasized in Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's statement. But if you're reading what Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said, and you're reading the verse that he brings you, you can deduce that information on your own, that you're being forgiven in front of God, and, if that, may, and, and that information is, is enough to get you excited. So get excited without Rabbi Akiva saying it. And what I'm really saying is it doesn't make sense Rabbi Akiva is just focusing you on something that it says already. It says it already. You can, the fact that we're distracted and not noticing it, that's not something that Rabbi Akiva needs to, to, to make you notice. It says so in the Pasuk. And moreover, Rabbi Akiva runs and he fetches two verses to teach you that God is the one who atones for you. Number one, 
In one verse it says that I will sprinkle v'zarakti alechem. It's a pasuk from Yecheskel. V'zarakti alechem mayim tohorim. I will sprinkle upon you purifying waters and you will be purified. Then he brings another pasuk. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, which Rabbi Akiva actually is even changing the simple meaning. The regular meaning, as we said earlier, that God is the hope of Israel. Rabbi Akiva goes and, and plays around with the word and turns it into a mikveh, which means a ritual bath, which is not the regular meaning of the word. And to teach you that God is purifying you. When, as we, when Rabbi Akiva, why, why does he have to go to the prophets when he has a pasuk in the chumash itself? We, we know that the chumash is more powerful than the prophets. So Rabbi Akiva has a verse, a pasuk in the five books of Moses, in the chumash itself, speaking about Yom Kippur, where it says clearly in that pasuk, both things that Rabbi Akiva is emphasizing. What are the two things Rabbi Akiva said? He asked two questions. Before whom are you being purified? And who is doing the purification? Those are the two questions. In front of who are you becoming pure? And who is purifying? Who is doing the cleansing? Well, that verse in the Chumash, in Parshas Acharei, about Yom Kippur, speaks about, addresses both these things. Because in that Pasuk it says, number one, in front of who you're being purified. Because in the end of the Pasuk it says, um, uh, uh, from all your sins, lifnei Hashem in front of God, titaru, you'll be purified. So it says clearly that, God, that it's, you're being purified to stand in front of God. Now, the beginning of the Pasuk emphasizes that God is the one who is purifying you because the Pasuk says, Ki because on this day, He will atone upon you. To purify you. So this verse tells us clearly who is the purifier and be front of who are you being purified. So why does Rabbi Akiva send us searching for another two verses that he pulls out from somewhere far in Yecheskel and Yermio when you have an explicit pasuk in Chumash talking about Yom Kippur where it says clearly that God is the one who does it and in front of who are being purified. So there must be some secret over here. We have to be reading Rabbi Akiva a little deeper. We can't just read it superficially. Read it just the way it appears. There must be something deeper over here. Um, and the other thing one really needs to understand is, why does Rabbi Akiva need two verses? One is, that I will sprinkle upon you purifying waters, and you will be purified. And the other one, that God is our mikvah, just like a mikvah purifies those who enter it, so to God purifies us. I mean, they're both saying the same thing, that God purifies. And, we can, and, 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 and obviously, if he's relating another verse, is because there is something being added in the second verse that you wouldn't know from the first verse. And this is all very important, because Yom Kippur is coming, and we really need to understand and appreciate the importance of this day and what it does to us. Now, one can possibly argue and say that the, the main accomplishment of Rabbi Akiva maybe is that he's arguing on his on Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, on the previous statement. In the Mishnah, as I quoted earlier, the first sage, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, stated that Yom, the atonement of Yom Kippur is limited to only sins that are between a person and God. But for, sins that are interpersonal, between one human being and another person, Yom Kippur doesn't atone for. So we might argue and say, Rabbi Akiva is coming to say, no, that... Um, since God is the one who, Yom Kippur is related to Hashem, Hashem is the atoner, 
meaning the one who brings atonement, then I don't have to ask anybody else. God is the one who does the atonement, and therefore uh, it's, we only rely on Hashem. So even though Rabbi Lazar and Azariah argued and said that no, that you're only forgiven on sins between you and God unless you apologize to others, Rabbi Akiva is saying no. You have no business be dealing with anybody else. Who purifies you? It's Hashem, your business is with God. And then he, and he brings two verses to tell you that your business is with God, not with any other human beings. One can possibly argue that that's what Rabbi Akiva is emphasizing and that's the meaning of his statement. The problem with that is, whenever anybody familiar a little with Talmudic language, with the manner of the way Mishnah works, is whenever the Mishnah brings two sages, two statements of two stages, one after the other, sometimes it's an argument and sometimes it's not an argument. How do you know when it's an argument or when it's not an argument? It depends in just the way the Mishnah phrases the second statement of the second sage. If it says, for instance, in this case, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, well, it would first state the first statement, and then it would say, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, oh, that means Rabbi Akiva is arguing on what was said before. Because this one says so, and Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says so and so. Or Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says so and so. Or Rabbi Yeshua Omer, so and so. So whenever it says the name before the word Omer, we know that he's arguing on what it was said before. However, when instead of saying Rabbi Akiva Omer, it says Omar Rabbi Akiva. Omar Rabbi Akiva means that he's telling you a new thing. He's not arguing on what was said before. He's saying a new statement unrelated to what was just stated. Over here it doesn't say Rabbi Akiva Omer. It says Omar Rabbi Akiva. So therefore, we cannot say that the Mishnah is trying to show you or trying to... Rabbi Akiva is arguing on what was just said before. It implies that Rabbi Akiva agrees with Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah that to, to, to gain forgiveness on sins between... that we've done against other human beings, we need to get atonement from that person. Rabbi Akiva is not arguing on that. Rabbi Akiva is coming to tell you something else in regards to the atonement that we have with Hashem, that we should know that we're being purified in front of God and God is doing the, the purification. But the question is, that's obvious that God is the one who's doing the purification. What's the big, what is the great novelty of this statement of Rabbi Akiva? Why should we get so excited about what Rabbi Akiva says? And even more so, why does Rabbi Akiva need to bring us verses from Yecheskel and from Yermio when there is a Pasuk in, 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 uh, in Vayikra st- stated in this very Mishnah? Which says clearly that God is the one who does the purification. Okay. So to answer the question, the idea is as follows. This is very, very important. And that is, from the teaching of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah earlier in the Mishnah, we know already from all the verses, we know that Hashem is the one, that our atonement comes from God. And it's before God that we're atoned for, and our atonement comes from Hashem. But in, in the Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's words, there isn't an explanation of why we get that atonement. We know that on Yom Kippur, God forgives us. But we don't have any reasoning for that atonement. Why does God forgive us on Yom Kippur? It would be possible to say that the reason we are forgiven for, as it says in the verse, that on this day, God will forgive you, 
The virtue is the virtue of the day. It's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is special. This is a magical day. The day is so important, the day is so great, that the day brings for atonement. It's like you might say that a king um, had something very, very, very special happening in his life. For instance, his one and only child is getting married. His, his daughter, his princess, he made the wedding of weddings. Like This is like his happiest day of his life. Because all of his life, everything was his daughter. And now she's getting married and he's so happy. And at that time, so he, he forgives all those. He releases the, the prisoners from, from jail. He, 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 he issues a pardon. It has nothing to do with his relationship with the prisoners. It has nothing to do with the criminals. The criminals are bad people. The king doesn't like them. He might even hate these criminals. But because there is so much goodness and there's so much compassion, because his heart now is feeling so energized and he's a very benevolent, kind, compassionate being, and when you're joyful, when you're in a state of joy, it takes all of your feelings and it expands them exponentially. It causes us to feel, if a person, joy, what does joy do? Joy turns on the volume. It turns everything to number 10. That's why, for instance, if you're a creative person, if you're a composer, and you're happy, and if you're really happy, you'll compose magnificent songs when you're happy. If you're an artist, you'll produce the best art when you're happy. And if you're kind, you'll do incredible kindness when you're happy. Depression is the opposite. Depression shuts you down, clamps you shut. You don't feel anything. So you would think Yom Kippur might be this awesome day that for whatever reason is so meaningful to God. It makes God very happy. And because of His happiness, He forgives everybody. And that's why He forgives us. Rabbi Akiva wants to emphasize that the secret of the forgiveness of Yom Kippur is not due to the fact of the quality of Yom Kippur. It's not because of Yom Kippur that there is atonement. The root of the atonement, because then it has nothing to do, think about it, between us and God, it doesn't do with us. It has to do with a private matter with God, and it happens to be that we are, we're, we're like, we're gaining off Hashem's happy day. It's like the criminals don't feel in any way a connection to the king who just released them and pardoned them, took them off death row or something like that. It's that, you know, they benefited, they happened to have benefited from the king being happy. Rabbi Akiva is saying that's not the case. The root of the forgiveness of Yom Kippur is rooted in the fact that we're Jewish. It's connected to the Jewish people being Jewish. It's that Jewishness of the Jew that makes, that, that brings makes them have an atonement on Yom Kippur. Where do we see that? Because Rabbi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael, how fortunate are you Israel? It has something to do with us being Jews. The atonement of Yom Kippur, see Rabbi Akiva is changing the dynamics of Yom Kippur. He's doing something very, very strong over here. Not, he's not changing it, but he's revealing to us the secret of Yom Kippur. The secret of Yom Kippur does not lie in Yom Kippur. The secret of Yom Kippur is about us. Why do you need Yom Kippur? We'll see in a moment. It's because we're special. What's our specialty? What's our specialness? Our specialness is that we're Jews. Ashrechem Yisrael. How fortunate are you Israel? 
That we don't see in the Pasuk Kibiyom HaZeyachapar Aleichem. That's talking about the quality of the day. On this day, God will atone upon you. To purify you. From all your sins. Lift me Hashem before God tutorial be purified. Because the day, because the day, because on Yom Kippur He forgives. That verse doesn't tell us anything about why it happens. Quite on the contrary. It seems to be impressing that the reason why Hashem is forgiving is because because the day is special. But Rabbi Kiva wants to show you, no, 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 it's not because the day is special. It's because we're special. Now, let's take that a step further. Now that, but we, we might argue and say, yes, the, the, the specialty has to do with we're being special. But, but why are we forgiven on Yom Kippur? Why is it on Yom Kippur? Because we can argue, we can say, because on Yom Kippur, we the Jewish people do good things. It's Yom Kippur, it's a special day. God kind of has set us up for success. All the other times of the year, we're not set up so much for spiritual success. Because all year long, we're busy, occupied with material, physical things. The physical world which has within it many pitfalls, many temptations, many things that chas v'shalom, God forbid, can call us not to do the right thing. Even when we have holidays, which the, 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 the nature of a holiday is that it picks us up to a higher place, and we have special holidays, but still, the fact that we eat and drink, and so we're still involved in the material, physical world, so it doesn't necessarily allow us to be super special. We're maybe more special on the holidays than we are regular times, but not necessarily shining with... But then, on Yom Kippur, since it's a day that God had forbidden us to do anything but to be spiritual, to be angelic. So since Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur provides us with an opportunity that we, the Jewish people, should excel in prayer and in spiritual quest and in introspection and deep remorse and teshuva and tefillah. And we say, and tzedakah, you can't do on Yom Kippur itself, but you can pledge and so on and so forth. So you can do all the special things, which all these special things evoke and cause and stimulate forgiveness. So then, what brings the atonement? What brings the atonement is the performance of the Jewish people. What we do on Yom Kippur is what makes, what brings the atonement. So, meaning, the Yom Kippur, the atonement is not, is not, is not rooted in the day being special. The, the atonement is rooted in we being special. But why are we special? Because it's Yom Kippur. And, why are we, and, what's, and, and what makes us special on Yom Kippur? The fact that on Yom Kippur, all Jews are doing such godly things. We're doing wonderful things. And that's why we're forgiven. But then you might still have a question. What's with the Jews who don't do special things on Yom Kippur? What's with the Jews who are not tuning into Yom Kippur? So then they would not be forgiven. Because Yom Kippur is an atonement because we are in our best, we are in our best state on Yom Kippur. That, that's for those who do participate in the Yom Kippur program. But for those who don't participate in the Yom Kippur program, it doesn't work for them. Or even if we are participating in the Yom Kippur experience, we might be a little lousy because we're maybe because we're tired or we're hungry or because we're distracted. And who knows what? That it's not working for us that well, this particular Yom Kippur. That's why Rabbi Akiva emphasizes something deeper. 
more than just saying, Ashrechem Yisrael, how fortunate are you Jews? Saying that it's not about Yom Kippur, it's about the Jewish people. Rabbi Akiva adds another thing. He says, in front of who are you forgiven, and who is the one who's atoning you, it's your Father in heaven. Now, the, reason Yom, the reason why the atonement comes is because it's in front of God, and Rabbi Akiva emphasizes, and he's calling God our Father. What is he? Something very deep over here. What Rabbi Akiva is telling us is that the atonement of Yom Kippur is rooted in the fact that we're Jewish, not in anything that we are doing. A child is a child not because of something that they did. They actually didn't do one thing to be a child. It was totally not up to the child even to be a child. The child became your child because that's maybe the saying it's it's the parents that bring the child into the world. The child did, doesn't participate one iota in being the child. The quality of a child is just in the fact that you're a child. Rabbi Akiva is saying we are forgiven on Yom Kippur because God loves us with an infinite boundless love for no reason at all, just because of who we are. We are His children. Avichem Shabashamayim. It's your Father in heaven. The Jew is a Jew and God loves the Jew. And because God loves the Jew, that's why God forgives us for all our sins. You're going to ask the question, if so, why do I need Yom Kippur? Then, then I'm a Jew all the time. I'll do it Yom Kippur. The answer is, on the day of Yom Kippur, is where the essence of the Jewish neshama, where the true innermost of the Jewish neshama, where the Jew is a divine being, a spark of Hashem comes out into the open. So what does Yom Kippur do? Yom Kippur shines a light on our Jewishness. So let's, we can look at Yom Kippur more than as a powerful, a powerful light. A powerful light. Which that light exposes us for who we truly are. Generally, we're all... As a Jew, as a Jew, the Jewishness of the Jew, meaning the childlike element where the neshama, the soul. Why are we children to God? Because we have very special souls. A child is derived from their fathers, from the father and the mother. And it says in Kabbalah, right? the child comes from the father's innermost brain, which is like the inner, inner, inner element of the father. So to the Jewish neshamot, all Jewish souls, very, very precious. They emanate from God's inner, innermost being. And that's why every Jew is considered a child, literally, literally a child from Hashem. The problem is that that neshama comes into a body, comes into, into regular life, and that gets concealed. Our identity gets concealed and covered up to the point that a Jew can look like a Gentile. Completely, because their behavior, whatever it is, is not showing and reflecting their Jewishness. Comes Yom Kippur, and the day itself, nothing to do with what we are doing. The day itself of Yom Kippur shines this powerful light upon the Jewish people. And every Jew, his neshama is visible on Yom Kippur. We might not see it, but the way God is looking at the Jewish people, He sees us all as children. He's our Father in Heaven. And when He sees us as children, He forgives us. Why? Because of the essential bond that he has with his children. Avichem Shabbat Shamayim. 
The atonement is purely, if so, you're going to want to know why do we then have to do anything on Yom Kippur? Why can't we on Yom Kippur just do it? You know, why it says that Yom Kippur only forgives for those who do teshuva. So according to this, it has nothing to do with the teshuva. We're not forgiven because of what we do. We're forgiven because of who we are, not because of what we do. So why do we need the teshuva? The answer is that the teshuva that we do on Yom Kippur helps we're, we're involved and we are helping in exposing our, our true self. The tshuva doesn't create the atonement. God is not forgiving us on Yom Kippur because we're saying sorry. God is not forgiving us on Yom Kippur because we're promising all these promises and we sincerely want to do better. That's not why He's forgiving us. He's forgiving us because we're His children and He loves us just because, for no reason at all. For no reason at all. It reminds me of a story. There was a, the, uh, these, during the, one of the wars, I think it was during the Lebanon war, there was about a bunch of tanks that were lined up to go into battle. And um, they were, they were, it was an early morning um, raid that they were going to do. And some Chabadnikim arrived at the army base somehow, even during the time they, they got in. And they wanted to put uh, tefillin with the soldiers before they went into battle. So they started moving down the tanks. And this guy describes that he came to the second tank, and the guy that was the driver in the tank starts yelling at him like with the worst curse words. And don't get out of here, I don't want to see you, and whatever kind of thing. That can make me crazy with the tefillin. He didn't want to hear from him. Okay, so they just literally got scared, and they left him alone. And he turned around, and um, he came to the other guy sitting on the other side. And the other guy, actually was they wanted to move, skip the entire tank, because they were so intimidating, this fellow, they just wanted to move it further. But the guy sitting on the other side, called him over, he comes over, and he says to him, tell me, Tagidli, he says, if I put on Tvilin, will God, will God save me? I'm going into battle. Will God protect me? That was his question. So this Chabadnik answered him, he says, God is going to protect you whether you put on tefillin or whether you don't put on tefillin. God is going to protect you because you're, you're a Jew. God loves you. He's going to protect you. Right? But if God is going to protect you just because he loves you, shouldn't you put on tefillin just because, just because it's Hashem's, it will make God happy. It's not, it's not a condition, hey, you do this, he will do this. Hashem loves you because he loves you. So this is what he tells him. And the guy put on tefillin. Fine. Suddenly, as, they, as they're ready to leave the tank, the first guy the guy who yelled and screamed at him calls him back. And he says, yeah, and he rolls up his sleeve and he wants to put on tefillin. So he says, well, well what happened? <laughs> he says like this, to, to, put on, to, to put on tefillin because to get points or this or that, I'm not interested in that. But to just do tefillin just because, for no reason at all, just because this is a gift for, for Hashem that he's willing to do. That shows you the essence of a Jew. A Jew is, is a child. He wants to do what God wants to do. Not because. So God forgives us in Yom Kippur not because of any reason. It's just because of an essential bond. You're a child. That's the forgiveness. We do the tshuva to help uncover our neshama. We said before that Yom Kippur itself is a powerful light. That shines upon the person to help reveal. In assistance, in addition to that... You do tshuva, so you're removing the muck and the guk that covered, that covered on the heart to allow for that light to penetrate, to shine in, and to expose the true essence of the Jew. And that's the reason why Rabbi Akiva 
cannot suffice with the verse, as we said before, from the Pasuk in Parshas Vayikra and Achremos, because in that Pasuk it says that God forgives, but there is no indication that the forgiveness is not because of Yom Kippur. In that Pasuk, as we said earlier, it could be because it's Yom Kippur, is Hashem's special day, He forgives even criminals. Or because we might argue even more than, say that it's Yom Kippur, we do special things, and it's what we do on Yom Kippur that makes us special. So that's why Rabbi Akiva has to find another Pasuk. Which verse does he bring us? He brings us the verse where it says, Vizarakti, because one can argue, how do we know this? How do we know that the atonement of Hashem to the Jewish people is just because of our Jewishness? Just because our essential bond, not because of anything other than the fact that we're Jewish. How do we know this? So therefore he brings the Pasuk in Yecheskel. In Yecheskel it says, Vizarakti ani aleichem, I will sprinkle upon you waters, utahartem, and I will purify you. God is saying, I will sprinkle waters. Now that Pasuk is not talking about Yom Kippur. That Pasuk is talking about what's going to happen when Moshiach comes. When Moshiach is going to come, God is going to forgive the Jewish people. And it says in that verse, I will sprinkle upon you waters, I will throw upon you waters, and you will be forgiven. So that verse you can't excuse and say it's because Yom Kippur is a special day. It's not Yom Kippur. It's whenever Mashiach is coming. Whenever that will happen. It can be any day, any time. And yet the verse says, So that teaches you that since the atonement that will happen then when Mashiach is coming, is coming, is coming just because. It, it, and if you look earlier, it actually emphasizes in the verses over there that the Jewish people are not deserving. Because the Pasukim in Yechezkel, right before this, Hashem says, it's not because of your deeds that I'm going to redeem you. Hashem says, you came to the nations, you made a big chilol Hashem, you made a big desecration to my name. L'chein amor Yisrael, say to the Jewish people, Koyom and Hashem, loy l'manchem, it's not because of what you've done. Ani ose beis Yisrael, I'm not doing it beis Yisrael because of l'manchem, because of your virtues. I'm just going to forgive you just because I want to do it. But why do I want to do it? Because, because of our essential ban. See, you have to be careful. When it says, it doesn't mean it's not for you. Obviously, it is for us. He is, he is taking us back. He's bringing us back to Israel. He's cleansing us. He's purifying. He means to say, it's not because of your righteousness. It's not because of your teshuva. It's not because of all the good things you've done. It's not that you're impressing me so much with your teshuva. I am forgiving you because... Because I love you. I love you dearly because you're mine. Why are you mine? You are essentially mine. I don't need a reason for it. This is just the way it is. You are my children. That we see from that verse that we don't see from the early Yopsukim. But here one can ask a question and say, you know what? It's true that those verses are not talking about Yom Kippur. And therefore you see clearly that the atonement that Hashem forgives the Jewish people is just because. And again, once we see it that that's the way it's going to be in the future, we can deduce already on Yom Kippur too, when we are forgiven, it's not as a result of Yom Kippur being Yom Kippur, it's because of the essential bond between God and Israel. Okay, once we have a verse like that, we can apply already the theme, the idea, already to all atonement. Whenever we're forgiven, it's because of who we really are. Fine. The problem, however, is we can say, well, what are you talking about? That's talking about Mashiach. Maybe, if, if I said earlier, if Yom Kippur is a happy day for God, 
Yom Kippur, Mashiach comes, it's the ultimate day. Maybe that's an incredible ace ratzon. It's an incredible day of goodwill. It's a time when there's a tremendous benevolence and kindness flowing from Hashem unparalleled to any other time. In this great Ace Ratzon, that's why we are forgiven. So that's why Rabbi Akiva doesn't suffice with the Pasuk, V'zarakti Aleichem Mayim Tohorim. And Rabbi Akiva brings us another Pasuk. And that verse is Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Oh, I'm sorry, Mikveh Yisrael. Moishiah Be'ez Sarah. That Hashem is compared to a Mikveh. That Pasuk in Yirmiyoh is talking about a very dark times for Israel. It's not talking at all about the time of Mashiach. It's not talking about special, wonderful times. The Pasuk in Yirmiyoh is actually talking about a very, very dark period of history. Where God is telling Yirmiyoh, He's telling him about the droughts that are about to come upon the land. And there's going to be a lot of suffering, and so on and so forth. And then it says that the Jewish people say to God, Mikveh Yisrael, that you are the hope of Hashem, Mashiach Be'isara. You help them in a time of trouble. So there it's explicitly not talking about an Esratzel. Yet it says that Hashem is the mikveh of the Jewish people. And how does a mikveh work? Just like a mikveh purifies uh, those who enter it, so too it says over there that Hashem is our mikveh. Which means the atonement is coming from God. Hashem is the one who's doing it because Hashem is doing it. Not because of us, that's the idea. It's not because of what we've done, it's because of Him and because of His essential relationship that He has with us. If so, one can argue then, that, then, then, then this verse, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, should have been the primary pasuk. Like, again, if we're saying that this verse is the ultimate verse, because here you don't have a time of, here it's not Yom Kippur, which we can say that Yom Kippur is an auspicious time. Or you can say that in Yom Kippur we're in the best performance. It's not the time of Mashiach, and where we can say that it is a time of Ace Ratzon, it is a special time when you caught God in a very good moment, and that's why you forgives. Here you have a time that's a regular time, it's a time of Be'ez Tzara, it's a time of trouble, it's a bad time, it's not Yom Kippur, and yet God forgives us, Mikvah Yisrael. So this would be the perfect puzzle. Why does Rabbi Akiva need to first tell us the other puzzle, V'zarak Di'alech? And over here there's something very deep, and something very important. And that is the primary proof from Rabbi Akiva is really from the first Pasuk, not from the second verse. The Zarakti Aleichem Mayim Tahorim is the important verse. Not the second verse, Mikveh Yisrael. Because this idea that God is forgiving you just because, and that it's God doing it, precisely on God's terms, unrelated to us, and unrelated to our achievements, and our work, is, per, is primarily derived from the Pasuk V'zarak Aleichem, not from the Pasuk of Mikveh. I'll explain that in a moment, why that is. It's only that there's a certain problem because it's talking about the days of Mashiach. So in order to help us with that, we bring the second verse. But the real proof is from the Pasuk V'zarak Aleichem, I will sprinkle upon you water, not the Pasuk Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, the Pasuk that talks about a Mikveh. Why? And the idea is like this. These two verses are talking about two types of purification. We know that there are, in, 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 in the laws of becoming tahor, becoming purified, when a person is tameh, when a person is impure, there are two methods in which one can gain purification. 
One method is the method of a mikveh. You immerse in a mikveh and you come out pure. Another method is becoming sprinkled by a special type of water, which was a, the, the, the ash of the paraduma, the red heifer. And that was used primarily when a person became tame, when a person became defiled, came into contact to a, with a dead body, and they became ritually impure. The only way to remove that tumah of, of, from coming into contact with a dead body is to go visit the Kohen, and the Kohen would take the special water, which is mixed with the ashes from the burnt red cow, from the red heifer, and they would throw it on the person, sprinkle it, and that's how. So we have two types of purification. Purification through sprinkling, purification through immersing in a mikvah. What's the difference between the two? Now one difference is, important difference is, that there are certain impurities that a mikvah doesn't help. A mikvah only works for certain lighter, lighter contamination. The most serious form of contamination, which comes from being contaminated by a dead body, you could sit in the mikvah from today till tomorrow, all day long dipping, and you'll never become tahar. It doesn't help. The tahara can only come. That's why today's days, we're all considered contaminated. Until Mashiach comes, and then they're going to make the 10th red heifer, and every Jew is going to get sprinkled with, from it, and we're all going to be purified. So you see that the, the purification through hazah, in a sense, is stronger. Being sprinkled. But what's the difference? So that's one difference. But there's another difference, a practical difference. In a mikvah, you have to do something. The mikvah is a pool of water. The person has to go to the mikvah and go inside and immerse themselves in this mikvah. So the person is doing something. There, there is, it's not passive. You're involved and you're going and you're being sprinkled with the ashes of the, of, of, of the red heifer. You're not doing anything. Someone else is sprinkling. And, and conceptually, I would think that if a person hasn't even asked for it, and the Kohen came to someone and sprinkled them, even with them, without their asking, I mean, hypothetically, I would, I would have to check the halacha if it works, if the person explicitly is saying, I don't want to stop spraying me with this thing. And someone sprays them anyways, it's, I think it, it's, I don't remember seeing the halacha that it doesn't work, that the person has to volunteer a want. It has to be a voluntary sprinkle. He gets sprinkled by the ashes, forgive you. But I'm not sure about that. But one thing is for sure, that being sprinkled is being sprinkled by someone else. It doesn't involve your doing. And that is the reason why someone who is defiled by a dead body, someone who came into contact with death, cannot be purified by a mikvah, can only be purified through the ashes, through, the, through being sprinkled. And the reason is as simple. You see, when a person gets contaminated from... What, 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 what does every type of tumma mean? Anytime a person is ritually impure, it means a certain disconnect from God. When a, as long as we're connected to God, we're alive. We're fully alive. We're holy, pure. As soon as we become disconnected from God, other things, dark forces, other klipot, other impure elements come down and contaminate the person. Now, there's various degrees of how disconnected God forbid a person can become. What is the ultimate, ultimate form of disconnect? The ultimate form of disconnect is death. Death means there's nothing left. It's like, for instance, a person ends up in the hospital. A person ends up in the hospital. They're ill. 
You know, their kidneys are not working, they have kidney failure, they have liver failure, even if they have a heart failure, or even if they God forbid, had a stroke and there's something in the brain, right? Very severe damage to the brain. But as long as they're not dead, there's still repair that could be done. Right? You can still repair the liver, you can repair the kidney, you can repair the heart, you can repair the brain. But if, fine, they died. That's already, you know, you need resurrection for that. Once dead, is dead, is dead. So as long as, so it's spiritually, it's the same thing. Sometimes a person's Jewishness, their connection to God is functioning fully. Sometimes because of things that we've done, we lose our sensitivity. We're not feeling so Jewish. We're not feeling so connected. We're not so plugged in. We're feeling a little. We're not feeling a lot. And it gets less and less and less and less. But sometimes, God forbid, a person finds himself in a situation where all spiritual feelings have completely dried out. They're dead. There's no connection at all. They don't feel any reason. I don't want to go to Shul Yom Kippur. They don't want to come. They don't have nothing. I have nothing to do with God. I don't feel. I don't believe in Him. God forbid. A complete disconnect. A complete God being dead. So that person doesn't have anything that they can do to, 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 to heal themselves. Because they're dead already. In, in the spiritual sense, if they died. So now they can't do anything. The only one that can come is someone else from the outside. In this case, meaning who's the other? It's Hashem. And Hashem can purify them. That's the chiddush. That's the novelty of the zarakti aleichem. I will sprinkle upon you the waters. That's why the sprinkling of the waters is much higher than mikveh. Mikveh means... Even though the mikveh is doing purification, but you are also doing something, you're at least going in the mikveh. So in the second verse where it says that God is our mikveh, it means that when we try to do tshuva, when we try to repent, when we're making an effort, we're reaching out, we're saying, we're saying sorry, we're asking God, we're trying to be more Jewish, more connected, more mitzvahs and the like. We know that we're limited in how much we can do. So God helps us. So God is like the mikveh. When the person forgives, when the person becomes pure, it's not their decision to go to the mikveh that purifies them. It's the mikveh that purifies them. But how does the mikveh work after the person went to the mikveh and immersed in the mikveh? So it's like a conjunction. It's our work going to the mikveh. That would translate in our relationship with God we are doing tshuva. We are improving as much as we can improve. And God fills in the rest. He is our mikvah and He atones. But at least there is a partnership. We're doing both. There's coming from both sides. From Hashem and from us. The novelty of sprinkling the water is so great. The novelty is even if the person is not doing anything. He can't do anything. Because there isn't any any bit of inspiration left in his neshama. There is nothing left. He's completely, he or she is completely dried out. Yet, God sprinkles upon them the water and he cleans away all the schmutz. He cleans away all the impurity. Why? Why? They didn't do anything. Why? They don't deserve it. The answer is deserve, deserve, deserve. It doesn't make a difference. Irrelevant. You're, 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 this is Hashem's child. This is my child. What do I care? Deserve. A Jew is Hashem's child. And if, I, if I'm Hashem's child, then, I, then, then he's forgiven. That's why the main idea that the atonement comes from God, 
unrelated to us is from the Pasuk, because over there clearly it's stating a kapara, and atonement coming from Hashem because God is doing it, not for any other reason. And then we can derive, as we said earlier, that Yom Kippur is also that way. We're forgiven because Hashem loves us on Yom Kippur and our Jewishness, our child, our ch- child feature, so to speak, our essence of being a child of Hashem is exposed on Yom Kippur by every single Jew, even the Jew who is not coming to shul and saying kol nidre. Even the Jew who is not screaming Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achot. Even the Jew who did not bang his chest a million times on Yom Kippur to ask for forgiveness. God forgives every single person on Yom Kippur just because. That we know from that verse. Now, the only problem is that that verse, as we said earlier, is speaking at the time of Mashiach. So that's why I need to have another verse of a mikvah, which even though that verse doesn't give us the full atonement from being coming from God, only limited, because after all there is some involvement at our end, yet it serves enough to support that this atonement doesn't have to happen on Yom Kippur, and it doesn't have to happen only when Mashiach comes. It is something that Hashem forgives us because of who we are, because of the relationship. It happens to be on Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur, this element comes to the forefront, and that's why we are forgiven. Fine. But really, in truth, now Rabbi Akiva continues. And Rabbi Akiva continues, and he says, he highlights the, the atonement in the mikvah, and he says, just like a mikvah, purifies those that are impure, so too God purifies the Jewish people. When Rebbe Kiva adds this last phrase, Rebbe Kiva is trying to emphasize that even in the mikvah scenario, which is very important, even in the mikvah scenario, where the mikvah scenario requires, so to speak, some form of participation, Rebbe Kiva wants to emphasize that even in that situation, it's not so much what we're doing. It's more the mikvah that's doing the purification. Meaning, even when we are... Now we have two types of Jews, so to speak. Let's, let's, let's put it this way. We have two types of Jews on Yom Kippur. There are the Jews who are the mikvah Jews on Yom Kippur. Meaning Jews that are coming to the mikvah. Jews that come to shul and are coming into this holy environment. And God will be our mikvah because we showed up. We came. Then there are the Jews who are not coming to shul. They might even be in a club in some bar, Yom Kippur by night. And they're not even thinking that it's Yom Kippur. Yet God will catch them as soon as they're walking out of the bar and sprinkle them. Whether they want it or whether they won't want it. They will get the sprinkle of that Mayim Tahir. Two types of Jews, those that are coming. But Rebbe Kiva wants to tell you that even the Jews that are showing up and coming to Shul and therefore gaining the atonement as a mikvah, we should also understand that the core of the atonement is not how strong we bounce, we bang our chest. The, strong, the core of the atonement, even in the mikvah analogy, is because God is forgiving. How do you see it? How do you see it in the mikvah? So you see it because Rabbi Akiva says an interesting statement. He says, Ma mikvah metaher, just like a mikvah purifies es those that are impure. Those two words, that a mikvah purifies those that are defiled, those that are impure, seem to be superfluous. Ma mikvah metar es adam, just like a mikvah purifies a person, afakadish baruch hu metar es Yisrael, also God purifies the Jewish people. What does it mean? Just like a mikvah purifies those that are impure. Of course we're talking about someone who's, 
who's impure. If he's not impure, he doesn't need purification. I mean, the whole thing, it's just, it seems to be so, such an extra word. I mean, if someone is being purified, it means that they're dirty. And they're dirty, they're becoming purified. They're getting clean. So why do we, why should we keep the after say, just like a mikvah purifies those that are tummy? Ma mikvah metares adam. Or ma mikvah metares atovelbo, the one who dips himself in it. What's the emphasis of Tameim? So here there is such a, an amazing teaching. An amazing... See, if you, real, if you look... See, we do such injustice when we learn things and we just learn them superficially without looking deep. Rebbe Kivan, those two words, teaches us such an important teaching. And that's as follows. You know, the law by a mikveh is a very interesting law. That by a mikveh, the law is that when... Let's say a person came into contact with a dead body. And today's days, we don't have anywhere to go get sprinkled from. We don't have that water, that special purifying water we don't have. And then, in addition to that, someone got some other type of a contamination. A certain tumas that we still have today. A woman can get tame during the Nida period. A man can be tame from different... A person gets tame, right? We go to a mikvah, and one can say, what's the point of going to a mikvah? Why should I go to the mikvah and purify myself from this impurity which I have, if I'm anyways not removing a much bigger impurity? I have a deeper filth or, or impurity that's upon me, spiritual contamination. And I can't get rid of that. So what's the point of me going and getting a small mikvah job, so to speak, a small cleansing, if I couldn't get... Fully cleansed anyways. Let me wait till Mashiach will come and he will purify me with the waters of the ash and I'll finally be pure. What's the rule by a mikvah? If a person has two tumas, do you get... So it's an interesting halacha. The law is that a mikvah will purify you for whatever the mikvah can purify. Even if the person remains contaminated after the mikvah, doesn't make a difference. The mikvah cleanses whatever mikvah is able to purify, it purifies even if the person continues being tameh. So what the Mishnah is saying, ma mikveh, just like a mikveh, metaher esatmeim. It makes tameh, even those that remain tameh. It, I'm sorry, it makes tahor. It makes pure, even those who continue to be tameh after the mikveh. But the mikveh still purify them to whatever degree the mikveh can purify. So the Rabbi Kiva is saying, the same applies to each and every one of us. Yom Kippur is coming just in a few days. And I think for most of us, unless you're a tzaddik, which would be nice to have a tzaddik or two over here, but unless you're a tzaddik, which is very rare, most people know for sure that Yom Kippur is going to come and we're going to ask forgiveness and we're going to tell God we're going to be better and we're going to regret. But we all know that we don't have the energy to regret everything sincerely. And to change our lives like 100% and make become completely metamorphosized. And, and a day after Yom Kippur, we are forever and ever going to be perfect people. We know that that's never going to happen until Mashiach comes. But what we could do is feel remorse for the things that are really bothering us very deeply. There's certain things we've done that we know that we should not have done and we could have controlled it and we should control it. And we are ready to make a sincere, a sincere commitment never to do that again. That we are. A person can say that what? Since I can't do complete tshuva, since I can't gain complete forgiveness because 
I, I, I'm just incapable of doing a complete tshuva. So what's the point of me doing a little tshuva and saying, I'm basically saying to God, I'm going to continue offending you. I'm going to c- continue insulting you. I'm going to continue hurting you, but please forgive me for so and so that I did then and then, or this and this particular thing, my new insult that I started doing just a few weeks ago. The new offense that I just doing, please forgive me for that. So I might think that's ridiculous. What kind of... <laughs> but that's the Chiddush Rabbi Akiva is teaching you in the mikvah. Rabbi Akiva is showing you from a mikvah. What's a mikvah? How does a mikvah work? A mikvah will atone for whatever the mikvah will atone for. Even if the person continues to be defiled afterwards, the mikvah still does its work. So Rabbi Akiva is telling you that even if you're coming Yom Kippur and you're saying, God, I don't have time, I'm just one Yom Kippur to gain, to work out all the issues I have with you. I don't have the energy, I don't have the spiritual inspiration. I don't have that to completely do that, but I want to do a little tshuva. I want to next year, want to be a little bit better than I am, I want to do a little bit. So Rabbi Akiva is saying, go ahead, do the tshuva and God will forgive you for that. Even if it's a little tshuva, now why is that? If the tshuva would be something that has to do with our performance, then that's a lousy tshuva. But if tshuva has nothing to do with your performance, if the atonement really is coming because God loves you because He loves you, not because of anything you do, we can understand that even if we're saying that God is expecting a little bit from us, which is the idea of a mikvah over being sprinkled, it's not that what we are doing is really accomplishing the tshuva, the, the, the atonement. What's really accomplishing the atonement is the fact that God loves us just because. He asks us to do. So whatever we can do, we do. And whatever we can't do, so we didn't do. And we're working like a mikvah. That the mikvah will atone even if there's other things. Now let's understand something. On Yom Kippur, in addition to the mikvah, we also have the sprinkling. So that means we're forgiven completely from all our sins because just because. But yet there is a certain thrill and there's a certain enjoyment to know that we also participated in ours. And over here we might think that we're limited or it doesn't pay. It's, 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 it's futile for me to do tshuva on my few little things that I think I can improve if I know that I can't become what I should be as a Jew. For that Rabbi Akiva is teaching you of the mikvah. So what Rabbi Akiva really did over here was Rabbi Akiva, the one who loves the Jewish people. Rabbi Akiva is the one who teaches us that to love another Jew is the core principle of Torah. The, Rabbi Akiva is the one who loves, who shows such Avas Yisrael, is revealing to us the real depth and the real meaning of Yom Kippur. In his statement, Ashrechem Yisrael, how fortunate are the Jewish people. First of all, it has to do with Yisrael, it has to do with you being Jewish. It's not just a Yom Kippur thing. It's, the two, it's, 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 it's a Jewish thing, the fact that you're Jewish. And even as a Jew, it's not the things you do to, in your Jewishness that make you a Jew that brings the atonement. What, what brings the atonement is Avichem Sheba Shemayim, Yom Kippur. It is revealed that you are the one and only child. And God loves you, and He loves us, and He loves each and every one of us with a boundless, infinite love. And He joyfully, pleasurably forgives every single one of us from all of our sins. He allows us to be involved in that, and He asks of us, not only involves, allows us, but He asks us of us to be partners and involved in that by coming to the mikvah. 
mikveh Yisrael Hashem by not only relying on him sprinkling the water, because that's just not nice. It's not nice that when someone is being so kind and forgiving you that you're not even going to turn around and look them in the eye and, 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 and say, thank you, and I want to be closer to you because you love me so much. In a sense, it's like a real spoiled child. You're a child, your parent loves you no matter what. But you're a spoiled child if your mother loves you with infinite love and you're just turning around and just ignoring them. That's just not nice. So, it's, so Hashem says, do as well. Let's have a mikvah relationship too. But even in the mikvah, when we're doing, we shouldn't limit ourselves to, to, to our capabilities. Because what we're really doing is just opening up and participating uh, just so that we can, we, we can be partners in it. That's only for the benefit, not in any way to limit it. Because the real power of Yom Kippur is coming from God. And, and, and that is illustrated in the idea that even in this atonement, which I am doing a little, I'm sorry, even in the work that we are doing, when even that is sloppy, because I'm still ending up Tameh, I did already tshuva, because who is the one who does a perfect tshuva? Only a big tzaddik. Regular people can't do a perfect tshuva. So even the tshuva that we're doing is a sloppy tshuva. And yet God on Yom Kippur wants that. And He's accepting that. And even if we are metares God forbid, even if you're still being tame at our end, He's still allowing the purification to happen on whatever we did do tshuva. God is forgiving that because of what we did, because of our teshuva. And even, even more than that, He's also atoning for all of our other sins, also as we said earlier, because of the essential bond that he has with the Jewish people and he forgives us. And this is very, very, very enlightening and very, very encouraging. A very encouraging thing to understand that we can come to Yom Kippur, we don't have to be nervous. We shouldn't have anxiety. We should come to Yom Kippur with joy and happiness and say this is a day that we can spend in being such and so close, so connected, because Hashem loves us with infinite love no matter what. The atonement is happening definitely. And that's why it says that one is not allowed to have any doubts whatsoever, God forbid, in the, in the, um, in the atonement of Yom Kippur. It also is halacha, an interesting thing. It is a custom for men um, before Yom Kippur to go to the mikveh, to dip it. Those people that are sensitive and go to the mikveh all, all year long, Definitely before a holiday, or even before Shabbos, or even every, every day before prayer. But there are those who don't do that, but at least once a year, it is a, it's in, in, in halacha, it says that every, every man at least should go to the mikvah before Yom Kippur. And one of the reasons it says it's a form of tshuva, and the mikvah, it's, it has the same the, the dipping in the mikvah before Yom Kippur and Erev Yom Kippur is the same it's the, the theme of it the idea of it is like a convert who goes to the mikvah and he's like a and he, and he comes out a convert a, a Gentile that wants to convert goes to the mikvah and when, after you dip you come out and you're a new human being that's the atonement of of Yom Kippur the atonement of Yom Kippur is the reason why so you see this idea because you're telling people to go to the mikvah and you're going to come out of the mikvah and you're literally a new human being. Obviously, that's nothing to do with us. We couldn't create ourselves to be a new human being. When a convert converts, 
we can understand that the amount that the convert, the convert did with all their study, let's say this is a convert that's exploring Judaism already from when they're seven years old. They've been drawn and they're reading books and they're chasing after the rabbis. Everybody knows how hard it is to convert. Chasing after the rabbis for three years to even accept, accept your application. And then they start giving you a hard time and chasing you from rabbi to rabbi and telling you all the books you have to read and giving you tests. And finally, finally, after 10 years of working and finally, finally the rabbis accepted you to be and allowed the person to convert. So you would think, wow, I mean, this person did so much to convert. We all understand that the amount that that person did in their transformation in being Jewish is an infinitesimally small little whatever compared, compared to what happens when they go into the mikvah. All their Jewish knowledge and all their desire and all their want and all their commitment is zero compared to the fact that when they went into the mikvah, God makes them, literally, under the water, they are transformed, their old person has ended, a new human being came out, a Jew came out. That transition from non-Jew to Jew is a metamorphosis, a complete metamorphosis, which human, a human being, no matter how hard they work, is incapable of doing. Who does it? God is the one that does it. That's Yom Kippur. All of our work that we do, we should know, is nice, and it's wonderful, and greatly appreciated by God. But that's not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is Hashem's gift to us. He gifts us by making us new people every year. Wipes our, wipes our souls clean, spotless, and allows us to be new people. No charge at all. Just because we're His children. Just because of that absolute, infinite love. May we merit to have a complete atonement, a complete forgiveness, and God should forgive all the Jewish people and then see us in all of our beauty and take us back to our home, to Jerusalem, build the base of Megiddo so we can live happily ever after as a wonderful family.